This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 233 with Andrew Lenoy. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at how to survive and thrive with recession-proof alternative investments. My guest in this episode is Andrew Lenoy. Andrew is an expert at building teams and connecting people with opportunities. Formerly a talent agent at William Morris for 16 years, he represented some of the world's biggest celebrities, including Tim Allen, Sheryl Crow, Barry Manilow, and Peter Frampton, just to name a few. In 2009, Andrew began investing in the alternative asset class and acquired over 100 income-producing assets in less than 48 months. During this time frame, he discovered a massive gap in the market and the opportunity and chose to leave the agency to pursue the lucrative opportunities in the private investment sector. Due to Andrew's success, he was approached by business associates and friends who were interested in partnering with his companies. Upon counsel, he decided to form a private investment group to allow qualified investors to co-invest with his group. Once Andrew discovered and found success in the private investment sector, he chose to never invest in Wall Street again. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja to 44222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. I've also created a Cashflow Ninja investment group where I share opportunities that I'm investing in with my fellow investors. If you're interested in joining this group, please email me at info at and we will continue the conversation to see if you're a good fit for our group. I've always thought that if there are only a handful of people that have built indestructible wealth in any economy and market, why are we following the advice and doing what the majority of people are doing that are struggling financially? My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy, but you need to pick one. At the Real Asset Invest, Dave and his company create value for investors looking for high yield returns from real estate ventures domestically and internationally. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the real asset investor offers, such as the syndication opportunity at the Mahogany Bay Village in Belize, investment opportunities in the multifamily space in the United States, and ATM syndication opportunities, visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Are you interested in real estate investing but don't know where to start? Join Ops Properties as the premier provider of turnkey lease option investment properties. With their proven system, you can have cash flow within 30 days. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Andrew, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Absolutely. So I'll, uh, I'll start back from, uh, I'm an East Coast guy. I moved to Los Angeles about 20 years ago. Um, I worked at uh, a company called the William Morris Agency for about 16 years, got the gig kind of early when I got into Los Angeles. And essentially, I was a, a, a talent agent representing mostly A-list celebrities. Uh, some of my clients include included uh, Tim Allen, Whoopi Goldberg, Andrew Dice Clay, uh, Paula Poundstone, so, so a, bunch of, a bunch of comedians, and then also... Also, uh, musicians and bands like Blues Traveler, Gary Clark Jr., Styx, Peter Frampton, Joe Bonamassa, and uh, was there for uh, 16 years and had a pretty interesting, pretty interesting ride. I have so many questions right now. It's quite a remarkable back- background. So uh, you were exposed to the music industry in there. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in the, the music industry? Uh, and what is it that make uh, some bands and some musicians success more successful than others? I guess you, I can ask you the same question about the comedians as well and some of the other talents uh, that you represented. Yeah, it's a great question. So it's first of all, I would say that being a, an actor, an actress, a, a comedian, a band, or whatever, when you're at the level where you're actually making making money, and you know, I mean, uh, obviously, when you're thinking of a Taylor Swift or people at that level, they're very, very, very successful. But honestly, that's only about the one percent, maybe the five percent of people who get there, and then you've got the rest of the ninety five percent, the ninety nine percent who don't not only do they not really quote unquote make it, but they're really not even paying the bills. Um, it's a really tough gig all the way across the board. It's, you know, tons of rejection, um, a lot of work. You can be ridiculously talented and never get that, you know, never get that big break. You can, um, it's a number of things. So, uh, but I think it goes back to, really just some good old fashioned hard work and, and marketing. And, and I think the ones that really succeed, you see the path They're they're clearly very talented, but they also figured out how to get themselves out there. And specifically in today's world, which is interesting. Um, I know when I left the agency, which was back in 2013, you know, we would get lots of calls and people wanting us to represent, you know, Oh, my, my daughter's a, a singer and, Akron, Ohio, and oh, boy, she's the best. She's the best singer ever, and she's 17 years old. I'm like, well, what, what, what she, what she, you know, what, what she, what is she working on? Does she have a YouTube channel? How many followers? How many people? Like, what is she doing? And a lot of the times, the answer is, well, we're waiting for a team, right? We're waiting for someone to to help us get to the next level, and they're actually at you know sub zero level. So it's like. Um, you know, it's amazing. You look what's on YouTube today and there are, you know, there are, there are cats with $70 billion, 70 billion hits on YouTube. And it's like, or people sitting playing guitar, they get 10 million hits. It's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta create your own buzz and, and, and brand these days. I mean, it's, there's just so much, there's just so much noise in the marketplace in general. 
That's so true because, you know, it's not the field of dreams where you just built it or <laughs> wait for it and somebody's going to discover you, right? And it will come. You really have to get yourself out there regardless of what industry you're in, uh, regardless of uh, what profession or niche or what uh, value you're pr- trying to provide. Um, I think, and that's, as you mentioned, that's definitely a big stumbling block. And we are living in a world right now where, as you just mentioned, you can jump on YouTube and start creating a following and uh, generate some fans. And it's quite remarkable to see what people have accomplished on these platforms. Um, and that's kind of like, once you start doing that and you get yourself out there, it's, it's, I mean, it's part of the, <laughs> it's selling yourself, right? If yeah. you're not trying to sell yourself, nobody else would. And then it's tying into that team that you just mentioned uh, that will take you up to the next level, but it's, it's got to start from the individual. Yeah. And it's, it's really, I mean, that's just a core, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fundamental um, value or it's a core of someone they're either going to, you know, get off their butt and do something or not. I mean, I keep seeing the, I think it's the Gary Vaynerchuk uh, meme that's going around. That's that, you know, I can't remember exactly what it says. Something to the effect of no one owes you anything. Right. And, and so I feel, I feel like there's a, there's it just in general, it's not a millennial thing. It's not a, you know, it's not, it's across the board. A lot of people just simply feel entitled. Um, and you know, if you, if you flip that on its side and it's like, well, how do you, you know, how do you make yourself valuable? Um, it's just a, it's just a different way of looking at it. And generally, I mean, listen, it doesn't mean that someone's not someone who has a lot less success or talent. Sure. Can they get picked up and can they, you know, get put in the spotlight and yeah, it, it happens, but is it the norm? Like, I don't think so think there's a huge disconnect between the equal opportunity and equal outcome in our society where everyone has, has got an opportunity to do something, but there's a lot of things that happen and actions, uh, like you said, getting off your butt uh, and just going after it and uh, the actions that you do daily and in the minute uh, that gets you to the, the outcome, right? And sure. uh, everyone's got an equal opportunity, but the outcome is not going to be equal for everyone. Yeah. And it's, you know, one of the, one of the biggest, I guess the, I don't want to say it was a motivator, but you know, the eye opening, one of the eye opening moments I had was when I realized just how powerful personal development is. Right. And you really dive into that and it's trying to be the best you, you can be. And, you know, we're all human and no one's perfect, but um, you know, a lot of people, just for whatever reason, they're just not going to open that book. They're not going to go there and they just don't know the potential they have. And so it's, it's so, it's so many things. It's none of it's black and white. There's not a formula. It's not, Hey, you're talented and you work hard and you'll get there. It's, it's everything. And then if everything's there, then, then maybe you get a break, right? And if you get a break, then if you're prepared, then maybe that break turns into, you know, a, a, a career or something. So now you're in LA, you're in the, the talent industry, music, uh, some comedians, other uh, celebrities, and 2008, 2009 happens. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the epiphanies that you had and the ahas that you had when it uh, comes to wealth and money and investing during that time period uh, that was influential on your development? Yeah, absolutely. So the the subprime crash happened, and I think myself, along with with many Americans and many folks, lost lost money in the down in the downturn. Um, I had money in a four hundred one k. I had money in the market. Very all very blindly put in. I had financial advisors that I used, and you know, if you really dig into that that model, it's um 
you know, it's, it's a, it's a wall street model. A lot of people taking fees that you're not aware of and you have absolutely no control over what you're investing in. And, um, that's really in, in my mind, at least that's the way it was designed. So that along with just, just feeling like there was more out there than being in a corporate environment. Although the gig I was at was great. And if, if those who have seen the show entourage, that was literally the company, the William Morris agency. So Ari Emanuel was my boss and, you know, incredible company. They paid you well. Um, but it definitely took a toll and was not, you know, was, was far from an easy gig, but there's people lined up around the block to take that gig. So kind of a combination of what, Hey, what the heck happened in the subprime crash? My, my folks had retired and moved to Florida. They lost a bunch of money in their retirement portfolio. I'm like, how does that, you know, how does that happen? And really that was those, those, those two or three things were my, really my pivot or my eye opening moment where I started reading books on economics and just really learning about just the state of affairs in the, in the world financially. And it kind of all led me to, to real estate. So much that you touched on right there, the control uh, factor of it, <laughs> having absolutely zero control over it. I think a lot of people swallowed that red pill, uh, knowing that they are not in control of their financial life or their wealth or their money. Uh, and then one thing that you've covered and talked about too in the content and the fantastic emails that you write uh, oh, uh, weekly um, is also about risk management. So there's no way to protect the downside, which is what the top investors uh, do. Uh, and then also the economic efficiency portion, what you mentioned, the fees, the fees that you don't even know about. And I mean, there's several studies done about it. John Bogle uh, the Van uh, from the Vanguard Group that's here in Pennsylvania, where I live, they've done numerous studies on it too. About two thirds of your gains are eaten up just from this fees uh, that's uh, basically compounding in it with uh, the money. So there was, there's a lot of things that I think people uh, woke up to just as uh, you just touched on. Yeah. And yeah, you're exactly right. And it's hard to, you know, everyone gets busy in their job and, you know, family and everything like that. And sometimes it's just, you know, there's the saying that people spend more time planning a vacation than they do their retirement. Right. So it's just, it's just not necessarily on the forefront of what most, most folks, families, working, you know, working individuals are thinking about. I mean, sure, they're checking their, you know, their trading sites and all that stuff to see where, you know, where everything is. But I mean, it's all, it's just all ones and zeros. It's just, it's just, it's just not real. So you took the step and uh, uh, took a step into the real estate direction. How did you get started? Uh, and what class did you start investing in? Yeah. So I think that like most people, when you get interested in real estate and you realize that, tons of, of wealth is created through that. And you start th thinking about passive income and mailbox money and all those things you usually start to look at, at assets in your backyard. And even though it was 2009 or so um, in Los Angeles, just Cal just California is too expensive, right? So I was really interested in, in starting to generate income outside of what I was doing for work. So after looking in Los Angeles and realizing that's just, it's just not the, not the market to do that, looked around, I found some mentors, realized that I needed to go out of state to do that as far as investing out of state. And the first market that I picked or fe really fe fell into and found it was a great market was Dallas, Texas. And so this was sometime, I guess, maybe late 2009 that I started buying single family, single family properties in Dallas. 
And so you went out of market. So let's talk about that because you know the uh, the concept and have built uh, power teams around uh, your clients. Uh, so that was a great skill set that you had at that point. Talk about uh, how you established your team and what were some of the key team members that you start bringing on as you penetrated a new market. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, the the team is certainly paramount to what you're doing. Um, and single family, I mean, it's as a, as a concept, it's very simple, right? You really, I think you're, you're, you're really your core person on the ground. There's going to be a good property manager nine times out of 10, especially when I started in Texas, they're going to be, they're going to have a broker's license. They're going to be able to buy and sell for you. They're going to have renovate renovation crews. Maybe they have some connections with insurance companies and things like that, but that's, that's really it. When you're, I think, I think what happens sometimes is someone is looking at deals and they come across something that's interesting. Maybe they contracted on it and then they start to look at the market. Then they start to build the team. But really the, the, the correct order to do that is really to focus on one or two markets, really understand why you're in those markets like Dallas, Texas, for example, at that time, the cost of living was great. Um, you can, would compare it to Austin. It was just price points were lower, lots of jobs. Companies were moving there from California um, it was expanding. It felt, you know, just, you know, you go to the market, it just felt like a big, strong market. And so really that's where I think some people take the wrong turn is they start with the deal first instead of really picking, picking the markets first. And so now you build up a significant portfolio of single family properties. Uh, you've <laughs> been bitten by this real estate bug. Yeah. Uh, how did you get involved in the mobile uh, home park industry? How did you first come across that? And if you can share some of the trends that are, were attractive or made this an attractive investment clause and also uh, some of the features uh, and the differences between other uh, types of real estate. Sure, absolutely. So I'll take a I'll take a quick step back. And so after um, after buying some uh, a lot of houses in Dallas, I had then went on and bought some houses in Memphis, which was also a great a great income market. I should say that first too that the mo for me was to go and find income producing properties. It wasn't speculating on a market, right? So that's kind of a, a core fundamental part of my 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 philosophy, right? It wasn't hey, I'm going to try to time this to where if there's appreciation on the back end, and, and if it doesn't happen, the deal's dead. It's really about hey, does this cash flow? So that was a big part of the model. And that, that also has continued with the model that I'm in now. But so I was essentially a solopreneur, right? While I was buying all these single family houses in, in uh, Dallas and Memphis. And then I got into the Atlanta market and I bought a few properties there and then partnered up with a couple guys that I met who ended up becoming friends um, who actually moved there. And we set up a small um, flip company, right? So we were doing some buy and hold and some flips and that's really when the the whole team element came into place, uh, which is a big part of the rest of this this whole story too. Um, and so, sometime around 2013, I had left the agency, and everything was getting really expensive as far as the single family market. Right, so I I, I t- timed it really well. Accidentally, I'd gotten in finding great deals, great cash flow. Um, at some point, the deals were getting harder and harder to find and started looking at multifamily. Same thing, multifamily was feeling like it was getting overheated. And I had a, a friend who was buying mobile home communities in the Midwest and along with a, a bunch of other models and asset classes that that I was looking at, really took a, a deep dive on that and found it pretty interesting. 
And uh, so that was kind of the, the first foray into it was, was really someone who had been buying a few communities and realized it was a pretty compelling asset class. You're listening to Andrew Illinois on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Andrew Lenoye on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. And that kind of ties into a lot of the trends, uh, Andrew, which you've written about and identified. Now, let's take a step back and from like a 30,000 foot view, uh, what are you seeing right now uh, just in the marketplace, in the economy? And what are some of the trends that you're looking at where the mobile home park play ties into really nicely? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think if you're going to take a, a big step back or more of a, I don't want to say a global view, but you know we're we're a we're a national owner and operator now in this space. We we own assets in eight in eight states and I don't know fourteen markets or something like that. You look at the you look at the economics of what's what's happening in the United States, and you've got obviously what feels like bubbles around all the major metropolitans. I mean, certainly Dallas, Texas went crazy the last five or six years, and you know huge jumps in appreciation. And we all know Los Angeles, Bay Area, DC, New York, those are all um, just very expensive markets, but also, you know, their own little bubbles, right? But then you've got the rest of America and you've got these areas where just the jobs have started to go away. It's just, it's really interesting to watch this stuff. And it's, you know, it's a really slow moving, just a a slow moving process. I mean, you look at, you know, you ask someone back in the, you know, whatever the heyday of Detroit, Michigan was, 50s or the 40s and the 60s, that time period. um, I can't imagine anyone would have thought that, you know, the automotive industry would have, you know, essentially collapsed there and moved out and what what happened. So when we're buying these assets, one of one of the things that we we look at, we really have to take a good look at the market and make sure the market can support something for a longer term hold. But um, there's a lot of gray area in that, right? It doesn't necessarily right. have to be a quarter of a million um, person metro, uh, but there does need to be jobs, right? So and, and on the flip side of that, we're absolutely in the affordable housing business. I mean, our, our lot rents are two to three hundred dollars a month um, that our residents are paying. So, I mean, you you know, the the the, the metric is fifty percent of wage earners in the United States are making thirty thousand dollars a year or less, and you simply do the math on what that gets someone in terms of a uh, housing allowance, and it's 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 pretty scary. So you've got jobs going away, you've got you know, what seems to be more and more people clustering or clustering around these, these larger areas. I mean, use Dallas as an example. You've got car manufacturers moving from California and other places. And, you know, when, when there's jobs and you're a husband or a wife sitting in 
you know, name the market could be Detroit, could be anywhere else where there are less jobs and you need to put food on the table and support your family. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you're, you're going to move where the jobs are. So, right. So that's part of the, the growth in some of these markets. Um, so what's a little scary is what happens a hundred years from now when, when we're not here, I mean, are, are all the jobs gone? Are all these little tiny areas and sub markets and tertiary markets just, you know, is there no one there? Like how do people support, you know, support themselves if that's the direction it's going? I mean, we all know that inflation certainly, um, that salaries are not keeping up with inflation overall, right? I mean, the, right. You know, they'll say, hey, inflation is X percent, whatever, whatever that percentage is. And, you know, funny enough, they won't include, um, whatever's not included. That's like food, you know, it's like food and energy or something. I mean, it's crazy, right? So, I mean, the, the example, the example is my dad's dad, right? My grandfather, one job, three kids, owned a house, had a car, kids through school, the whole thing, right? One salary. They were far from, they were far from wealthy. Um, let's just say they were lower, lower middle class, right? So now you've got upper, lower class and lower middle class struggling to pay the bills and keep, you know, keep the lights on. And, and a lot of families, especially in, in that demographic, I mean, there's, there's three jobs per household, four jobs. I mean, it's not, it's not a crazy notion that mom and dad each have two jobs, right? Right. We've changed from a jobs economy to a skills economy. So a lot of folks, I, I think because the school system aren't preparing us for this, uh, sure. they're still, yeah. they're still turning out people, uh, for economy that no longer exists, uh, basically for the industrial age. That's a whole other podcast too, right? Yeah. We could talk about that for, for ages, but they're definitely not preparing people for the world that's out there. The, the world has changed. We're in the information age and it's, you know, a lot of jobs has disappeared, but there are more millionaires right now on the internet. I mean, I, I just remember, and you could probably too, when the internet came out about people were saying how this is going to destroy jobs. And most jobs will go away and no longer exist. But look, just look at all the different jobs that was created on this, this internet. But back to the premise, the school system doesn't prepare folks for this. And then um, from an economical standpoint, inflation is just, uh, it's a killer. It's sure. such a wealth destroyer. So the average family that doesn't have the skills to provide value in the marketplace and that's desired uh, is st- sitting on an income that's basically stagnant and just being destroyed by inflation. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much there, right? So it's, it's almost like, I mean, in my mind, the, the, the model and the system is just completely broken. Part of looking at that is also what's interesting just about affordable housing in general. I mean, there is a massive uh, demand for it. So you've got the majority of Americans who need quality, affordable housing. And here's another way to look at it too, is when Typically, when in, in a correction, and maybe even just use subprime as a, as an example, the some of the people that get hurt are the ones that are flipping houses, where you know their their profits are tied to potentially the value that they're adding, right? But if a market turns and all of a sudden thirty five percent of it is gone, their margins are wiped out. Well, they're they've, they've got five projects up in the air. Well, they're they're in trouble, right? right. Also, the, also whoever's got a crane in the air or whoever's doing new new construction development. It's not like all the lending goes away when a, when a correction happened historically, but sometimes a lot of it goes away. So that's just another, you know, you've got this, what's going to happen years from now in the United States. And then you've also, you know, have this opportunity now of, 
You know, how do you, you know, how do you take care of all these people that are out there that, that desperately need uh, affordable housing, attainable housing? Mobile home parks, I mean, if we look at recession-proof investments and things that are going to weather some of these storm clouds that we're talking about, and we didn't even touch upon uh, governments being broke all over the world, uh, heavily indebted, uh, states being broke uh, and heavily indebted, uh, municipalities, towns, cities, and then Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all these things, there's a lot of dark storm clouds. What is some of your advice from a philosophical standpoint in positioning yourself for recession-proof investments to whether not only survive these storms that are coming, uh, but also thrive? Yeah, I guess, you know, we, we found some in really interesting data just on what happened in, I think it's 2000 to 2015. And you know, I think that there was a sample of maybe seven or eight industry asset classes and commercial and malls and single family, multifamily. Um, manufactured housing was the only one that didn't have a bump through the, the last crash and overall was pretty slow and steady, right? So you've got a little more volatility if you're thinking about a graph um, in the other asset classes and, you know, it's, but just overall, it's just been slow and steady. And one way of looking at it is if you are a family and you've got a five bedroom house and you've got a bunch of kids and something happens, there's a correction, there's a crash, someone loses their job. Generally, you're not on the street, right? It's, it's, it's a, a down, it's a downsizing step, right? Maybe they go from a five bedroom to a two bedroom house or something like that. Um, they sell the house and go to a large apartment, who knows, but generally, so that happens top down, right? So it's, you know, the, the A's go to B's, the B's to C's on, you know, downward below this asset class. I mean, we're in manufactured housing. So these are, these are not mobile. You can't hook up a, you know, hook up these things to a truck and haul them out in the middle of the night. They're brought in on flatbeds. So below this asset class is, you know, those kind of those transient RV parks and below that you're, you're probably in your car and after that you're homeless. So, you know, that in itself is, is a fairly safe position to be. Um, now, you know, talk to some of the other people in our circles, like the Peter Schiffs and whoever else that, you know, talking about a dollar crash coming. I mean, that's a whole other, whole other conversation too, right? Absolutely. Now, you guys just recently closed on a, a park with Four Peaks Capital Partners. Can you share just a little bit more information about that? Sure. We, um, I guess about three or four weeks ago, we closed on a, we closed on a few parks that were in, um, a little suburb of Knoxville, Tennessee, which is just a phenomenal market. Again, that's a, you know, Tennessee is a great state, landlord friendly, business friendly. Knoxville is a, is a, is, it's just a great, just a great market. Prices of single family houses, the whole thing. We found this. And what's interesting is if you're really looking at a lot of the deals out there, especially in multifamily where cap rates are pretty, pretty compressed in general. I mean, we're, we're still finding, um, deals somewhere between eight and 12 caps, which is pretty, pretty great. This specifically was 11 and a half cap. Um, it was 89% occupied, which is actually typically higher than we normally purchase as far as the occupancy goes, but um, rents were well below market and there were other, other ways in, to improve value there and operational efficiency. So overall it was really just a, just a great, just a great community to purchase. 
Andrew, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Yeah, so I do as much. Um, I'm a huge fan of Audible. So I'm always, you know, always um, have something on that I'm listening to. I, I just listened to the, to the, I think Sam Zell has a new book out that says, am I, I think it's, am I being too subtle? That was just a great, you know, great, great story and great book. Um, so really for me, it's most of what is going into my brain is either coming from partners or conversations or audible or podcasts. I'm sure you're familiar with the, you know, the one thing, the Gary Keller book. And, yep. uh, there's a guy, Jeff, Jeff Woods, who, uh, is a, you know, another friend of a friend who has the one thing podcast, which is pretty interesting, right? So that's been something that, that, uh, a few, a few of us have been, have been checking out, you know, Tim Ferriss, uh, Mike Dillard's got a great podcast. I mean, it's, it's you know, some of it's ta- tactical stuff on, actually, I take that back. It's not as tactical on real estate. It's, it's, you know, building businesses. It's, it's all, you know, all those things that probably are, are of interest to someone who's building a big company. Yeah, no, and Jeff Woods was a, a previous guest on the show as well. So oh, cool. great, yeah. great, great podcast he has. Now, core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by yeah, passing down awesome. a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, just back to what we were talking about, the edu- I mean, the education is so huge and just, and just learning, learning, learning. I mean, I know guys that are just folks that are just ridiculously successful who, you know, show up, they're going to certain events, they're, they're reading, they're, you know, they're, they're doing book studies, the whole thing. I mean, just never stop learning. Um, and I guess some sort of subset of that would be on the personal development side, because that's, that's huge too. And actually setting, you know, setting goals, um, you know, the real estate guys have a great goal setting program that they do in January, um, that I've been to a bunch and, you know, most people maybe think about it, but they never really do it. But I think that's pretty huge. Um, another thing that, which is, which is, I guess, been a big mantra of mine the whole time is just the power of partnerships, right? And you can certainly go into something and, do something by yourself and you might be limited to growth or other aspects of the business, which might be fine because that's, you know, that's what the model is. But, um, you know, having the right partners and having the right team is, I mean, that is, that just makes all the difference in the world. Thank you for sharing that. Andrew, how can my listeners learn more about you, your company, Four Peaks Capital Partners, and all of the projects that you're involved with and where can they connect with you? Yeah, I guess the best place is, uh, our website is fourpeakspartners.com. That's our, that's our main website and that's all spelled out. So F-O-U-R-P-E-A-K-S partners.com, fourpeakspartners.com. We also have a, we have a, a few reports that we have. And I think one of the sites is, uh, cash flow investments. We have kind of an alternative assets report that we put together, which, which is pretty interesting, which talks about what we're doing and also some other things that we're, we're interested in. Right. And I would highly recommend uh, listeners jump on that mailing list. Uh, there's a ton of valuable uh, content that uh, Andrew and Mauricio shares weekly uh, that you're not going to find anywhere else. Andrew, this has been fantastic to connect. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Oh, thanks so much. Really appreciate, appreciate you having me on. 
Thank you for joining my guest, Andrew Lenoy, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life. So if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good Newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 442. Smart investors know that the banks actually don't own most automatic teller machines. In fact, the opportunity for private investment provides stellar passive returns, figures in the double digits, with the added bonus that most of the income is tax-free. Who wants to walk blindly past an ATM and not cash in on that opportunity? ATM machine ownership brings you a steady stream of hands-off passive income. Dave Zook and the Real Asset Investor team have been providing opportunities for investors in this uptrend activity of ATM use. If you are an accredited investor and would like more information on how you can invest in this exclusive asset class that very few investors will ever have access to, you can sign up for your free webinar on how to create income streams from ATMs at cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to create passive income and become financially free. In just over three years, they've created a lease option empire with over 170 properties. They can show you how to do the same. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. You can also check them out on YouTube. Just search joinops properties or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.